I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 801. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your boxing preview for the weekend upcoming. Before we get stuck into it, please subscribe to us. You could do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. All the audio feeds are there and we're also on YouTube as well. Thank you so much if you've gone to the YouTube space over the last couple of days, couple of weeks, because it is growing. It's starting to get a little bit bigger there. Uh, so the family is growing on YouTube. So thank you very much if you're already a part of that hitting that subscribe button. All that happens is that you get a notification when we do something. You can still pick and choose whether you want to watch it or not, but it just helps the algorithms of other people being able to see. It helps the advertisers pay for this shit. We've never asked you for a penny. So subscribe, get our advertising revenue up and you'll get more content. There you go. There's the fucking truth. Fucking hell. You woke up this morning and chose violence. Something going on in your life. What's going on? Well, fucking hell, the fact that I've got a hole in my living room ceiling doesn't help. Do you want to explain? From a, some kind of a leaking or burst pipe. So, uh, yeah, woke up Halloween morning and um, couch and everything's bladdered, covered in bits of ceiling. And so the fella, I mean, luckily enough, a, a good mate of mine uh, from Metro Construction, probably the best building outfit in the North. Oh, my room. God, you've not just Ka-ching! done that. You've Ka-ching! not just done that Bang! on the podcast. <laughs> Man's getting a discount because he's Ooh, just thrown it on the show, you dirty pig. Because he's me mate. He was like, listen, I'll send me plaster off super quick for you. He'll box it off, no problem. Dude goes and, you know, proper job broke out now. Half the ceiling's gone, half the wall's gone. Chaos. So I'm just glad it's happened this week and not next week. But uh, so, yeah, place is upside down. Got Halloween deckies to take down. Christmas deckies to get out the loft. Little fella's birthday is just on the horizon. No, no better time to jump on a flight away from this country, mate. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Off to the UFC next week. Mm. Christmas decorations to get down. It's fucking November. What are you talking about, man? And mate, I like to be locked and lo- if it was up to me, I'd put them up tomorrow. But we have a rule: get the little fella's birthday out the way. End of November. Very next morning, I am sorting deckies. I'm proper Christmas, aren't I? I'm all in on Christmas. Me, like it's my thing. Yeah. So. You're like the Griswolds, mate. But what's um, what date you put him up then? After his birthday, twenty seventh November. That's too early, oh. bro. 
Come that's on, too, mate. That's far too early. What the hell are you doing? Get a mop. I'm not one of the. Are you one? Are you one of those twelve days before, twelve days after yeah. kind of fellas? Yeah, man. Don't nah. overdo it. Listen, when I used to live on my own, I didn't put out up. You absolute hump bar humbug scoundrel. Listen, I know that I've not lived on my own for about fifteen years, but back in the day, in my mid twenties, back at the cat flat. Not even a tree. Man. Not, flat. <laughs> <laughs> not even needed. <laughs> Wait, I was a I was a young and vicarious twenty something with my own flat in Liverpool City Centre. I swear to God, it looked like the kids section at fucking John Lewis. Mate, tree. I had mo- I had two trees up, deckies everywhere, full on everything. Picture frames replaced. Posters up, mate. All in. All. I'm not talking chintzy tinsel either. I'm talking the good stuff. The good stuff. I love Christmas. Can't yeah, but wait. you'd have gone for Christmas dinner at your mum's house. So why have you done it? Yeah. St- you leave for you're me. Not there on... What do you mean? To spread Christmas joy. The joy of waking up to a Christmas, you know, a Christmas grotto fantasy land. That re- that made me smile every day. It's Christmas, man. <laughs> Sing it loud for all to hear. Christmas joy and all that. Listen, every single time you tune into this podcast, you learn a little bit more about us, don't you? Just a tiny little bit more. We'll just give you a little nugget every now and again. And you start to realise the personalities of this show of why it works so well. We're like chalk and cheese. I'm a miserable fucker. And look at this guy here, right? Happy happy go. Look at him. Clark Griswold. That's him. The people's champion. <laughs> see, people see me and genuinely think I'm like, you know, ice cool, like a James Bond. No, they type. don't. Who's, who's ever come up to you like and told that you were type. I? No, they don't. Nobody's ever referred to you. You've done this before where you've classed yourself as a Jake Gyllenhaal. No, you're not. Nobody thinks that of you. Yeah, they do. <laughs> right? It's but in the, your own head, mate. But their regular listeners realise now that I'm actually just a big, you know, 26 foot 2, 20 stone, super handsome nerd. I am a bit of a nerd when it comes to stuff like this, you know? When it comes to like Harry Potter and Star Wars and Christmas and Halloween and all that, I'm all in. I'm all in. You know why? You only live once, kids. You only live once. Suck the nectar out of life. Grab it by the balls and give it a big suck. That's what I say. The baubles are meant. The baubles of Christmas. The (laughs) Christmas. Let's move on, shall we? There's boxing to talk about again. Yeah. I'd also like to point out that he's not 20 stone either. I have no idea why you've just done yourself on the scales there, mate. Oh, yeah, 20 stone, yeah. 200 pound. 200 pound, I meant. 95 key. There you go. Whatever that is in old English money. Anyway. It's about 15, 16, mate. So you've, you've done yourself. You've added an extra five of them. Anyway. Okay. All good. After, uh, after the circus of the weekend... And the yeah. fun and frolics of the fair. Um, we kind of continue a touch because this has become, even though it's a cool gimmick, it's still become a matchroom gimmick over the years, hasn't it? Where they clear off to Monte Carlo, get involved in a bit of casino action, mm. uh, and have a very different setting uh, for one of their cards. I've never been to it, actually. I've never been no. to the Monte Carlo one, but it it's looks not cool. My- yeah. Mate, it looks amazing, and I'm a big fan of it to be honest with you, because you have the complete different visual. It's you know, it's it's set up like that for a reason. Eddie gets a dicky bow on. They all put dicky bows on and everything else. And they all go they James all, Bond, don't they? They, they all, all go James Bond. They all pretend to be James Bond, yeah. But they, 
Uh, they miss, but they try to be try to do the James Bond thing, Casino Royale. I get mm. it, man. And I think visually I like it. it always delivers. It's always awesome. One well, other thing I like about it as well is that it's never a silly 12-fight card because I think most of the casino players, the Lamborghini owners, the, the natives of Monte Carlo wouldn't sit around to watch, you know, with all due respect, uh, you know, Campbell Hatton in a eight-rounder with some Latvian taxi driver. So what they do is they just do a four-fight card and it's usually a decent little four-fight card as well. It's not too bad. It's interesting, interesting fights. They're all 10 There's no six-rounders. There's no four-rounders. There's no... You know, it's a four. It's a four fight card. What are you? I can see on your face there. You're like, <laughs> oh, is it not now? Is it not now? I know what you're going to say the main event is pretty weak, mm. but I think there's two or three knocks on here that I'm kind of interested in. And as you say, it's the visual enjoyment. Right. I'm trying to polish this for Eddie as best I can. <laughs> Listen, people are fed up of me morning, right? Yeah, exactly. Sick, right. Positivity. This is why I did it. Instead of next picks last week, I did a let's be positive about okay. Fury and Ganu. Let's stay positive. Come on. There's, don't forget people who watch this, listen to this, are actual fans of boxing as well. So let's try and, you know, yes. rub them up the right way. Okay. Well, seeing as that we've kind of given already. Every now and again, we have to have a little bit of fantasy. <laughs> no, I like to think that people come here for fucking straight talk. That's what I like to think. Yeah. But seeing as that you've given us the prerequisite at the start of the show that you're the fun one and I'm the miserable <laughs> bastard, right? I'll leave this to you. I'll just sit and nod along. Go on. Where is the fun for you then in Monte Carlo this weekend? Well, I'm on, I'm, I'm interested to see Guzman versus Rama Ali part two. Yeah. Obviously, we remember the, the, remember the first fight. The first fight was massively entertaining. Ali dropped Guzman a couple of times, uh, once, maybe, maybe twice. Yes, then she got absolutely nailed by that left hook, if you remember. One and gone. Struggled back to her feet, got waved off, rightfully so. Um, I think she's had it. Oh, no. Is this her first fight? I'm just trying to think whether she'll fight me into them. Maybe she hasn't. Anyway, they threw them back in because, obviously, that's not the script. Ram Raleigh's, you know, one of the stars of, of Eddie's female side of the stable. So they said to Guzman, no, 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 come on, come on, you got lucky there. You, you picked yourself up off the floor. You landed a big shot. Let's throw it on again. So I really like the fight. It's over 10 rounds. I think the last one was over eight rounds. So maybe it just finished in eight rounds. But it's a lot of pressure on Guz in, in Ramla Ali because she knows now she can be badly hit. Yes, she got caught squared on. Yes, she got caught with a big shot. That would have rocked anybody's boots. But there's a lot of pressure coming in. And I think Guzman comes in going, yeah, man, you dropped me a couple of times, but I hate you and nailed you. And if I did it once... I can do it again. And I think her confident level might be a little bit higher as well from the, I'm pretty sure, she, is she Mexican, South American? So, and yeah, well, there you go. She, there you go. Fight number one. Nick's happy with it. I get that. There's intrigue. Like you say, I think it, I think when um, a first bout goes uh, drastically in a way that you didn't fully anticipate, the rematch is always intriguing. What is Ramallah Ali all about? I'm, I'm I'm always fascinated by all fighters. And this is it. We, we fight fans, sometimes you put too much stress on zeros, don't you? Got to remain undefeated. And if you get beaten by somebody that you're not supposed to get beaten about, then everybody rages and goes, oh, she's absolutely cooked and done. Well, no, hang on a minute. She's not been asked the question of, can you bounce back? How do you deal with defeat? What are you all about? You know what I mean? Have you got the fucking fire in your belly? We're going to find out on, on Saturday night because she was absolutely Smashed all over the gaff. Let's be dead straight about it. She was not. She wasn't really in that fight. She's a very slick, tidy boxer. Is Ramla, 
but she got bullied. She got she got battered in that first fight against Guzman. So let's see one what the adjustments are, and two whether she's got without sounding derogatory towards a, a female fighter. Let's see if she's got a bit of dog in her. You know what I mean? Come on. Let's see what you're all about, kids. So you're right. Okay. Tick. Well done you, Mr. Positivity. Even Look at me. Even I'm smiling. I'm interested in that fight. Let's see what Ramlo Ali is all about. Next. Uh, next on the card is uh, Silamane Sissoko versus Isaias Lucero. Best fight on the card. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, Lucero is... Got a lot of experience, the Mexican. He's coming off a loss, unfortunately, not the, not against the strongest opponents either. So I'm kind of questioning where he's at in his career. But prior to that loss, let's say it was a bad night at the office. He was 16 and no, he was doing everything right. He looked like a bit of a talent at upper 10, 10 and a half stone. Flip side of that, you've got Solomon Sissoko, who is a French national who went to the Rio Olympics, who only got beat by eventual silver or gold medalist. Like he got, he, he had two or three fights out in Rio. Before he got beat, very talented amateur, boxed all over the world. He's now 16 and always a pro. Half of those, I'd say, are knockouts, but he's really needed, a, with all due respect, a big promoter of someone like Eddie to get behind him. And I think with Eddie behind him, this is the perfect fight for him to showcase himself over 12 rounds to really make a push. There's a daft trinket attached to it. So there's more than, more than anything else. There's a, there's a ranking attached to this fight as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's an interesting fight. I, I don't know whether it's as competitive as Guzman Ali, because, again, there's a big question mark about Lucero now and the, the true level he's actually at. But I believe Sissoko, again, managed rightly, managed correctly, promoted the right way, given the right opportunities, could become a bit of a superstar. So I'm interested in that fight as well. Two for two. <sighs> Calm down. Um, I actually think that's decent matchmaking. Um, they've both got very similar records, as you've just pointed out, and they do have the possibility of hurting the other fella. They've hurt other people in the past. They've got a little bit of pop about the pair of them. Um, so from a matchmaking point of view, I'm happy. And this is, I, I can't complain. Uh, if you've got decent, whether the 60-40s, 50-50s on the, on the undercard, from a matchmaking point of view, um, you can't complain. And I think that that, as I said two minutes ago, when I, when I looked at the card, that's the one that jumps off the page. And I went, well, that's the one that's the most competitive. So that's the one that I'm going to go with as the potential of being the best fight on the card. Yeah. Co-main event. You know, yeah. it's okay. With all due respect, it's the World yeah. Life Flyweight Championship. And we don't really talk about the World Life Flyweight Championship because these little diddy men don't really, you know, put people over. You don't see them making a lot of money for the reason that they're not that big an attraction. But I get it. He's doing extra world title fight on here kind of to appease the, the, the Monte Carlo crowd. Sound, the, the South African kid, he went to Mexico, won the world title. He's kind of knocked everybody out until he got to world title level. Since he's been at this level, he's he's won a succession of points decisions. He had a win, first defense back in South Africa. This is a massive opportunity for both these guys. You know, they, they won't have been on anything with this kind of global eyeballs before. It's a massive opportunity. Curiel, I think, is probably a level below world level, the Mexican. So I would expect uh, the South African to get this done and to get this done in style. Can he bring his power back in? Uh, at this stage, as I say, a lot of points decisions since he went in 12 rounds. I'd like to see him get a knockout, make a bit of a bit of a statement. But they're both babies as well. I think, I think the champion's 24, the challenger's 22, 23. So yeah, while, while life flyweight's not the sexiest division out there, 
because the the problem is you see once they get the gloves on the gloves are bigger than the heads so it's a little bit pantomime-esque unfortunately for these little life flyweight guys but uh well, yeah, listen, I think on paper, nothing shy at. I'd be, sort of be surprised if the champion doesn't win. But who knows, man? Curiel's on a good run. He's not lost in his last six, seven, eight fights. So, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Right. Sell me this No, it's not. Sell me this main event. Come on. Joe Cordina could be the best super featherweight on the planet. And Joe Cordina has got math. I'm trying, you said sell it. You didn't say in which way. Joe <laughs> Don't sell me Joe Cordina. I know him. I, I know how good he is. Right? Joe Cordina gets the opportunity here to showcase himself, to show the world. A week after Oshaki Foster come through an absolute war and peace with Rocky Hernandez and yeah. said, I'm the guy in the division. Joe Cordina gets the chance to fucking go, poof. Check this out. Major statement. I'm the guy. Let's talk numbers. Oshaki Foster. You know what? Let's talk numbers. Lee Wood. Because there's massive fights out there for him. And right now, I feel like he's kind of like the gatekeeper a little bit. Oshaki Foster wants the unification. Lee Wood is moving up to super featherweight and is offering a potential stadium fight. Mm. Joe Cordina, all he's got to do is come through in style in Monaco, which he will. And then he's, he's the king of the table. It's disappointing. Because with all due respect, Edward Vasquez is a blown-up featherweight. The guy is not ranked at super featherweight, as far as I can see. His last fight was for the IBF Intercontinental Minans back of the fridge, Frosty's Chris Packett belt. And he missed weight at featherweight, so he's kind of defaulted up to super featherweight. Um, Yes, he's got a 51-1 record, which I guess the zone commentary team can get behind and try and get excited about. But this guy's not at this level. He's got nowhere near the amateur nope. experience of someone like Joe Cordina, who went to an Olympic Games. That doesn't even have the games. Doesn't have the power. He's got no power. What's he got? Three knockouts in 15 wins. Mm-hmm. So basically, Joe Cordina is just going to stand all over this kid, stamp him out whenever he wants. The good thing with Joe is, you know, sometimes on occasions like this. The Oshaki Foster conversation, the Lee Wood conversation, there, you know, the potential other conversations in the round Joe Cordina. There's a lot to be distracted by. You know, you could you almost, com- in some ways, compare it to Fury. It's like, right, get this nonsense out the way, then there's this. Get this out the way, then there's this. And with anybody else, you'd be like, oh, you just got to be careful here. But Joe Cordina, he, he's not going to turn up out of shape and after, you know, a, a no. substandard fight camp. He's a true professional, Joe Cordina. He spends. He leaves his family in Wales. He goes down to London. He works like an absolute Trojan down there. He switches on. 
And I think Edward Vasquez is going to feel the pain in that. So, yeah, it's a hard sell because it ain't competitive. But it's Joe Cordina gone. Boom. Just in case you forgot, I'm the fucking guy at Super Featherweight. Yeah, I think... And I can only speak for myself here, and I, I'm interested to see what where other fight fans are at. If you are a consumer of everything, whether it be boxing and MMA, is your attitude towards boxing different? And I think it obviously affects, I'm going to be honest, I think being a massive MMA fan and the way and a fan of the way that MMA is run, obviously that's going to affect my attitude when I'm looking at boxing. And I think maybe I've got to take a step back sometimes and go, well, boxing just can't do it. Boxing just ain't going to do the things that I want it to do. And if I do take a step back and actually look at this, Cordina's had two really good competitive fights. Correct. Obviously, big championship fights. One delivering that incredible knockout. knockout. He then got stiffed by the bloody IBF just because he had an injury and they fucking, yeah. oh, we actually don't want you to be champion. We want somebody else to be champion. So we're going to go fuck off for a bit and then you're going to have to go and try and win it back. And he did win it back. Don't get me wrong. His fight with Rakimov was bloody tight. It was a tight fight. Right Split decision victory. Knockout of the year, fight of the year contender. Yeah, Amazing. you know, so, and he, and he came through that. Uh, and without that knockdown in the second round, I think it was, he might not get it because I think one of the scorecards was all level and it was, and they only gave him uh, the card. So that's how he managed to get his split decision. It would have been a draw the other way around. Now, so my point is, is that he's had two good ones. He's given us two really, really good ones there. And okay, this isn't a good one. I'm not, let's not fucking sugarcoat it. This isn't a good one. But the next one could be a good one. So, again, my attitude towards MMA and being used to seeing the UFC just deliver good one after good one after good one after good one. There's no layups. You just keep going. You just keep going. You just keep going. I've got to accept, and maybe all fight fans have got to accept, maybe you already have accepted it. I haven't. That boxing just can't deliver my demands. So yeah. I've got to lower my demand. I've got to lower my expectation to it. This is acceptable if... <laughs> The next one is one of those two fights that you just mentioned there. And that's kind of where the conversation I want to lead it to is what do you want him to do? Do you want him to unify? Because that's a big thing. The Oshaki Foster fight, from what I saw at the weekend, listen, Oshaki Foster's got a lot of bollocks about him and he came on strong at the back end, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but I think Joe Cordina could beat him relatively because of the, the technicalities of that fight. I think he could beat him relatively comfortably. Does he do that? Does he unify? Or does he look to the, from a British fight fan's point of view, the big money blockbuster against Lee Wood? Because that's a fucking firecracker of a fight, mate. Yeah. Well, listen, as you say, there's a couple of options out there. And, you know, I'm glad we're no longer talking from a, from a Joe Cordina perspective. And it's only because I've got so much love and admiration for the other fella. I'm glad we're not talking about the Navarrete fight yet. I think that's, the pinnacle. I think I'm, for me, Navarrete is the most dangerous guy in this weight division now, the current WBO champion. I think Oshaki Foster, you've seen enough in his previous fights and certainly enough on Saturday to think, you know what? Switched on Joe Cordina doesn't make the mistakes Rocky Hernandez does. A switched on Joe Cordina could, could actually take him apart. So I love that fight. I love that unification fight. Obviously, the Lee Wood fight is potential a football stadium in Nottingham, isn't it? There's a lot of talk about Lee Wood doing that next, but he needs the right dance partner to do that at a football stadium or even talk about it. And I think Joe Cordina, especially with a statement this weekend, hopefully it crosses over and makes some headlines in uh, in national press, then maybe that would be enough to tip it over the edge. But if you're Joe Cordina, as I said at the top, 
you're the kingmaker, man. You're the one yeah. that all you got to do is do do what you do in style on Saturday night, and then turn to Eddie and go right. Put the money on the table and tell me which is the bigger fight. If mm-hmm. if the Oshaki Foster fight numbers are very similar than the Lee Wood numbers, then you go Oshaki Foster because you don't need Lee Wood. He needs you. Mm-hmm. But if the Lee Wood numbers are much bigger, then of course you do the Lee Wood fight because I don't think Joe Cordino would be have, have any qualms whatsoever about getting in with Lee Wood, even Lee Wood in this kind of form. So I, I just think it's about what comes next. In, you know, in terms of this weekend as well, just to just to put some some not necessarily respect on Edward Vasquez, but just to say where this is. Obviously, when you look at it, you think, oh, wait a minute, why Edward Vasquez? You know, the guy's a featherweight. He's defaulted up to super featherweight. Why is he here when you've got potential other fights like Anthony Kakache is banging on the door? You've got John O'Carroll. These are fighters that are far more... Ranked lads. Yeah. Who are far higher more... Ranked lads. Higher ranked with governing bodies and everything else and far more familiar with the UK audience where you'd think that's where the bulk of the eyeballs were going to come from for a fight like this anyway. Um, but then when you look at, oh, you look at BoxRec, for instance, John O'Carroll, Anthony Kakache, these type of guys, all ranked in the top 20. Edward Vasquez is ranked 51 in the world at Super Featherweight. So the alarm bell go off, fucking hell. You know, is this the best we could do, number 51 in the world? But then to put some, go the other way with it, the IBF rankings themselves, I've got Edward Vasquez ranked at number nine in their ranking system. And bear in mind, they've got no one ranked at one or two. So they've actually only got, they've actually got him ranked at number seven when you look at their number one and number two, their leading contenders, which is their job is to find a leading contender. They haven't got one because Rachmanov's been bumped down to three. Then after that, you come down, John O'Carroll's at eight. So John O'Carroll comes to the IBF is just one place ahead. Of Edward Vasquez, the featherweights, Zelfa Barrett and Anthony Kakache, people like that are deeper down. The IBF rankings, even though on box rec and in the universal rankings and in the eyeball test, both those guys are much higher than Edward Vasquez. So again, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of the fight, but that that will be matchroom team round. Go, wait a minute. He's fighting a guy, he's he's just had two amazing fights. Mm-hmm. Edward Vasquez is ranked in the top 10 with the IBF. We're well within our rights, which they are, for a voluntary to choose somebody in the top 15. They've gone, a guy, gone for a guy who's number nine. And in fact, with two people missing, he's actually number seven. So on paper, Edward Vasquez is a more than viable opponent. There's your selling point. But I go back to what the, all the interviews. You. I love no, no. you. That, stay there, mate, stay I there, it. stay there. I go back to all the interviews Eddie made the other week where he was going, we have to do better. We have to demand more. We have to ask for bigger fights. Fighters will be let go if they don't have big, better fights. Fighters will be pushed aside if they don't fight one another. This is a bit like the zone team are going to have to work doubly hard to sell Edward Vasquez on Saturday night because he's not a super featherweight. He shouldn't be in the ring with Joe Cordina, in my opinion. But it is what it is. This is boxing, as you say. We have to change the way we look at boxing because they... The best don't fight the best all the time. The best fight the best every every third or fourth fight if we're lucky. Yeah, um, I like Joe Cordino though. I think Me he's uh, I think he's uh, I think he is think... possibly the best in the world. Even though I'm a massive Navarrete fan, Joe Cordino's sensational. Yeah, it's a really exciting division, especially with Lee Wood being that uh, addition to it. 
yeah. it's going to be interesting, man, how this all plays out in the next 12 months. Um, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Because like you say, he's had two good ones. I'll forgive this one if the next one and the one after that will be. Are, uh, are ones that uh, can make the old mouth water. Yeah. Um, that's it for your boxing preview this week. Um, Monaco is the destination. So get there's your suits out. There's a Don oh. King show in in Miami. Is that Macabu? Yeah, Macabu back in for the cruiserweight title that he lost to Badu Jack. He's straight back in again. Macabu and the, has got a nice little thing going with the WBC because <laughs> nobody else seems to be able to fight for this cruiserweight belt. He loses it and he goes straight back in for it as well. So he's taking no. He's taking on Noel Givor Mikulainen, who's a German. Yugoslavian based out of Florida or something like that. I don't know. And Trevor Bryan's big comebacks on this card as well. Don't miss hey. that, kids. Yeah, hey, tell hey. you what. I wonder if I wonder if I wonder if he's been paid yet. I don't know the answers. Anything to do with Don <laughs> King, mate. I don't know the answers. Oh dear, poor Daniel. <laughs> he got paid for the Usyk fights. That's all that matters, I suppose. Listen, a couple of bits of news. Um, you will have seen, obviously, uh, it's now looking highly likely. I think ESPN actually reported this yesterday that uh, Fury Usyk is not going to be happening on December 23rd. Who knew? Um, we've always said on this show, well, I say always said, that's a lie. Uh, we've said recently on this show uh, that Fury Usyk would play its role in the Riyadh season. Our original prediction would be it would be the closing ceremony. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, and it's looking highly likely that that is now going to be the case. Uh, being pushed back into the new year, end of February, start of March, when Riyadh season finishes, is when um, uh, when it's highly likely to happen. Listen, there's going to be loads of people doing the receipt thing and saying, you said this beforehand, Mr. Fury, and now it's this, two days later. Listen, we've waited 24 years, nearly 20, it'll be 25 years for an undisputed heavyweight championship fight. I can kick it another eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it takes another eight weeks to get this thing on, sound man, just get it on. I put a video out yesterday on our uh, on our YouTube channel as to what should happen next for Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury. There'll be people clamoring for an immediate rematch and all that type of stuff. I'm not one of those people. The undisputed fight between uh, Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk has to happen. I've been told that it's a two-way rematch thing, so you think that that is probably going to take up the majority of 2024. Listen, the two yep. elite fights, cool, man. I'm always of the ilk that a rematch should be determined from how the first contest goes. Let's have the first contest. Let's see how it is. I mean, it might not be competitive. One of them might just absolutely spank the other one. I don't think so, but they might do. And if they do, is there then going to be a clambering for a second? I don't know. But... Fingers crossed we get a competitive first one. Well, first and foremost, we get it. That's hopeful. Let's get that. Let's hope that it's competitive. And if it is super competitive, I don't think any fight fan's going to mourn at the fact that they're going to go and do it again. But that then obviously will tie up those championships, you would think, to an extent. Because even though belts are not tied to contracts and rematch clauses, then sanctioning bodies like that coin, don't they? You know what I mean? So I don't think... I know that there'll be lobbying... From IBF, people like Hergovic will be lobbying to try and get those belts fragmented. I want my shot at this. And WBO might do the same thing with Mr. Zhang. You, you never know how this is all going to play out, but the first one is going to be for Undisputed. And then the division might just open up at some point within the year. And it might just all get excited again. Fingers, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed indeed. <clears throat> Hopefully. 
Maybe they should just they should they should commit to making Usyk Fury one and two, which again, as you say, looks like it's going to be the new year, which is fantastic. Just commit to one. Nobody to one. Nobody wanted to go. With all due respect, and listen, I'm not. This is not nothing personal against Saudi Arabia, but nobody I spoke to in and around the promotion, the production, the broadcasters, nobody wanted to be in Saudi Arabia on Christmas Eve. Nobody, and. I think the fact that it's been pushed back makes absolute sense. We're now hearing that Conor Ben and Eubank fiasco. They're not even looking at December the 20th. Why did December the 23rd even become an attractive proposition for everybody? Everyone just went, we're doing December 23rd. And now everyone's like, ah, no, we're not doing December 23rd. Good. Fucking good. This is like the Premier League putting football on on Christmas Eve. Leave it alone. Stay away. It's family time. What are you doing? Stay away from those dates. There's no need to do a boxing show on December 23rd, just like there's no need to put football on on December the 24th. Stay the fuck away. You've got enough dates out there. Choose any other date. And in that theme, if we are getting Fury Usyk, and we all pray we are, we need it. Sport needs it. And Ganu, AJ is the fight to me. Hergovic Zhang 2 is the fight to me. They're your semifinals. Do them. While that's happening, if that's going to take a year to sort out Fury and Usyk, then AJ and Ganu is cheddar, cheddar, ching, money, money, money. That's the fight to do. But also, it's captivating. Of course it is. Because, mate, it's winnable for both guys. I know that that obviously Eddie Earn's going to back his man and he's going to say the things that he's been saying in the media, but it's not a given. we've, We've all seen the development of Anthony Joshua and where he is now compared to where he was. Yeah, that's that's food and drink for Francis Ngannou. We'd fancy that. That's yeah. a very very tight close fight. If if Francis Ngannou was to, let's say perform the way he did against Fury, against AJ, and he chinned AJ the way he did in the third round, AJ wouldn't see the end of that fight because we know his tail goes between his legs. He doesn't like getting hit anymore, and his bottle of the gun. And I, I genuinely think it was only the fact that Tyson Fury certainly wasn't his fitness. Tyson Fury's mentality got him through that fight out in Saudi Arabia. AJ's not that strong-minded inside the ring anymore. And I think that would have been the end of AJ. The point is, is it, it will AJ turn up out of shape, sloppy, no, get caught with no, a shot like that? No, he no, won't. No. AJ will turn up and it'll be like, wow. You know, in, in your mind's eye, this is what the heavyweight championship of the world is supposed to look like. Two men carved out of stone, absolute yeah. Adonises, body beautiful, going at it. And I think it'll be a little bit of a chess match. I think AJ would um, be scared to get hit, so we would box. Ruiz too. I think, yeah, but I think Ngannou showed enough in the Tyson Fury fight to go, I've got a bit about me, you know. I can switch stances and throw shots. Don't don't come away from the fact that Francis Ngannou shocked the world with his performance, not his punch power. Not his part or his bravery, his skill set. He shocked us all by going, wow, he can box. He can actually box. And who knows, maybe against AJ, he'd go, I ain't boxing. I'm going three rounds this time. I'm going to do the one thing you thought to do with Fury. I'm going to do it with AJ. Because I know if I tag AJ, his bottle will go and I'll chin him. Or he might turn up and try and box AJ. We just don't know. I'm all in. I'm with Eddie. I seen Eddie said yesterday. It's a bigger fight than Fury Usyk. All right, Ed, calm down. It's it's not that big. But I get what he's saying. 
is it more intriguing? Yeah. I, I think it might be. Yeah, because Franz and Ganu's raised some serious questions now about, shit, how good is this guy? Yeah. And, and, and there's loads of questions over AJ. There's loads of questions over the pair of them. I think it's great. Where's AJ at? Where is AJ actually at? Who's he actually fought since he, his rehabilitation from Usyk? And what's he actually done in those fights to make you go, oh, there he is. He's back. Nah, man. I haven't seen that at all. This is AJ 3.0. And I really don't know where his, where his level is or his ceiling is. Francis Ngannou will ask some serious questions, I believe. And I'm purely judging it on 10 rounds in Saudi Arabia. I think that's a fascinating fight. And I'm not surprised Eddie's already dropped the Africa bomb. I'm going to do it in Africa, rumble in the jungle too. Because that's the type of stuff Francis Ngannou will go, what did he just say? Get him on the phone. I'm attracted by that. Get him on the phone. But you're right, though, in terms of Ngannou. Forget about MMA. Forget about the UFC, PFL. That that chapter of your life is closed. You are now a heavyweight boxing contender. And it's about making these big fights. And I think the AJ fight, 100%, is right there. And you know what? Zhang and Hegovic, these two leading contenders, do part two. Because part one... I, I thought Zhang got robbed anyway. So that's that fight makes sense. Easy this. Easy. <laughs> Who needs fucking Tom Dallas? Hey, I'm your matchmaker, Ed. Piece of piss, this. Kevin Rooney, take a back seat, lad. I'm in charge now. Done. <laughs> uh, there you go. That's your boxing preview for the weekend uh, upcoming. Joe Cordina and Edward Vasquez will be uh, your headline event in Monaco. Check it out. Joe Cordina hopefully will come through in flying colours. And then who knows? Maybe a Lee Wood stadium fight. Maybe a Shaki Foster uh, unification. You never know where this is going to go. Exciting times ahead. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. You can uh, subscribe to us via our website, fightdisciples.com. And we are on YouTube as well, where we're churning out more and more content. Loads of stuff for you to get involved with. Thank you so much if you're already a subscriber. And it's the place where you can interact with us in the comment section. We see all the stuff that you put and we try and respond to various bits of it. Uh, so thank you very much for getting involved. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.